This episode of Mob Rules uh, features several references to very unfortunate acts involving penguins. Before we start, we want to let you know that Danny and I neither condone, endorse, or encourage any of the penguin-based behaviors that Peter the Falcon Colissimo mentions in our interview with him in this episode of Mob Rules. We love penguins, but we don't love penguins. Uh, that's the important thing to remember. We don't love, love penguins, no, right? Yeah. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, welcome to another episode of Mob Rules. Uh, continuing our interview storm, uh, today's guest, uh, Peter Colissimo, better known as the Falcon, um, the, I guess, assistant to Val on, on 40kstats.com. Um, uh, and we'll get to that interview later on. We spent about an hour and a half speaking to Peter. Uh, and just had a really good time, uh, some really good information yep. and kind of really got to the bottom of a few different things, uh, that he was, uh, noodling over. But before we get to that boring stuff there, uh, uh, <laughs> welcome to Mob Rules. Uh, I'm John joined of course by. I'm Danny. And, and Danny, what have you been up to for the last two weeks? It's been two weeks already. It's always good when it feels like a short time between episodes. Um, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> uh, this year has been an interesting year so far. Uh, I don't know. I've been super busy with work stuff. Uh, for those of you on a personal note, uh, that don't know, I work, uh, I work for the immunization program, uh, here for the state. So oh, I've been good. doing that, a lot. That's of, probably not busy, uh, with COVID this time of year. <laughs> yeah, it's no big deal or anything. It turns out I, I'm pretty busy. So uh, I've been doing that a lot. Um, I did have time to get in one game. I actually uh, went over and played the first live game of 40K that I played since like uh, probably November, maybe October. I would say October. It's been October since I played a game of 40K in person. Um, It was good. I went over to... Uh, uh, John, John Miller's house, John Miller, our, one of our resident, uh, whipping boys, players, for great right. player. Um, yeah, what's that? It's like one of your perennial whipping boys. I'm just building this up to make it really disappointing <laughs> for you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. It's good. It's going to make it worse. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes you got to throw a guy a bone. Um, so uh, I took the new Death Guard. I wanted to try them out. So I uh, went over to John's house, borrowed some Death Shroud. I have three more uh, on the way, by the way. I chucked. <laughs> Hell yeah. Where'd you find them? I've been having a heck of a time. Uh, do you know where I found them? Uh, um, gamesworkshop.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, so those will get delivered in like, like in uh, June. God, I hope um, not. Because I, <laughs> I have a Terminator Lord coming too. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got to I got to play with those. Uh, I I, uh, I brought along. I'll just go over my list really quick. Um, I played uh, Lord of Contagion. Um, a uh, oh god, what is his name? The sorcerer, malignant playcaster. That's the guy. Um, then I had uh, three units of twenty poxwalkers, uh, two units of five death shroud with an extra flamer, uh, a squad of five blight lords with a blight launcher and a flail. 
um, one each of all of the support characters. So oh, um, a literal vitrid of plagues. <laughs> yeah, I had I had one uh, Viron, I think is what it oh, is. Viron. Viron. Um, I don't know words. Yeah. And then uh, I had uh, a plague a surgeon with the arch contaminator warlord trait and uh, the uh, Fugaris's helm. So he got plus three inches to his auras, which is great. Um, because that counts for both arch contaminator, so it makes arch contaminator nine. Um, and it makes uh his uh, apothecary six up feel no pain uh uh six inches. Uh, and then I put like a foul blight spawn with the revolting stench vats. Uh, man, that guy is dope. Oh, so he's still uh, good, huh? Two... Oh, dude. Okay, so oh, and I paid the ten points to give him uh the reroll dice on his flamer. That was such a great upgrade. Uh, especially because um, before that was like a strat, like, right? Well, it was before is you, you'd roll two dice and take the higher one. Now you just get to reroll it if you want to. So um, I think it's, I think it might be better. It's probably about the same. Um, and then it also gives him plus one strength. So it makes him strength eight all the time on that flamer, which is pretty, which is a pretty good strength value. It turns out. Um, and then, uh, a unit of five spawn with the grandfather's influence. Those guys were so good for point for point. Like they were amazing. Really? Uh, oh my God, dude, they were epic. Like that was, I, I think that was probably one of my best choices. Cause like, uh, Miller had to put in four sanguinary guard, uh, four blade guard and a chapter champion into them to kill them in melee. Like, all and all of them had to fight and attack and do everything in order to kill them. Like there was no leeway. That's crazy. Yeah, they were great. Um, and then what else? Uh, oh, and two uh, uh, blight drones. So I'm, I'm I went first. I made some mistakes. Um, I got a little too greedy with the blight drones. Like I put them more than three. I put them like three inches in front of my objectives. Like kind of on my side of the board. There's uh. Oh, this was Scorched Earth. So it's like Hammer and Anvil, but you don't get flanks. So you have to like push out into the flanks in order to deny space. You have like eight inches on each side that you get pushed in on. Um, uh, and so anyway, I moved them up too far um, and I deployed them bad. Like, I think what I want to do in the future is like, I'll move the pox walkers up within three inches of the objectives and deploy those guys in the corner instead of the blight drones. Um, and then I'll kind of like leave a hole for the Blightron to sit in the middle of the pox walker. So he gets like surrounded. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wasn't able to move on to the objective, uh, on the first turn with the pox walkers to use their, uh, uh, to take D three mortal wounds and like puke on the objective and corrupt it. Oh yeah. Cause you took the, um, uh, death guard specific secondary where you had to corrupt objectives. I did, yeah. That thing was that thing was great. Um, I managed to score twelve points on that, so that was uh, that really was good. Really good one for me. On the last <laughs> turn, uh, I just took, <laughs> I just took uh, uh, two of my characters that run wounded, walked them over to objectives, and puked on them. <laughs> um, and it's I'm like, like a okay, night out in Manchester. It's <laughs> yeah. So apparently, Death Guard are also just like soccer hooligans, right? Oh I mean, yeah. Yeah. How do you just win this game? Just awful. throw up and shit. Tough as nails. Yeah, just throw up on stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. So 
like that went pretty well for me. Um, the things that didn't go well for me were making four plus invulnerable saves and uh, six up feel no pains. Yeah, um, I made really bad four up invuls, and I made literally on for my plague surgeon saves. I made no, no six up feel no pains like the entire game. Fifty percent <laughs> of the time, they never uh, work. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, which is okay. It's fine. Like no big deal. Um, yeah, so I, it was a close game. John was playing Blood Angels. I thought I had a pretty good advantage on him with my list because uh, my list had just has a lot of hitting power and it's also very durable and it takes away a lot of your charge bonuses. Uh, but John played it really good. He stayed away from my uh, Foul Blightsmon. Uh, he did a really good job of that. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was really tough. Uh, he, uh, I did remind him once though he was going to charge him with some uh, Death Company. And I was like, dude, you do not want to do that. That's going to end very poorly for you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it was just, uh, it was a game of a lot. Of, like I made a few, I punished really hard for this. Oh, this actually cost me the game. So the game was a three point spread. It was 48 to 51 just because we scored so low on primary. Like we were both taking the objectives back from each other, like constantly. Um, so he had uh Oh, what were they? Uh, uh, he had Sanguinary Guard and a ch- big chaplain into my uh, into a unit of twenty Poxwalkers. Now, I w- was able to attack with the Poxwalkers before his Sanguinary Guard were swung, and I killed two of them because the Poxwalker stratagem uh, really does a good job of killing uh, killing models with two plus armor saves. Uh, yeah, Just that's if you roll, it, real good. Yeah, it's it's really solid. Um, so I managed to kill them, but I forgot that Poxwalkers like got to come back um, when they kill. Oh. Like you get to bring models back when when you kill models in combat. And so I forgot to put two Poxwalkers back. And John literally killed me to a man on like with his very last attack. Like there was no extra. Had I would would I had I remembered that that would have been a ten point swing for me uh, in primary because I would have. Uh, I would have held three objectives, which would have got me 10, and I would have held more than him um, just because he didn't have a lot of objectives secured in his list and or I was able to kill it pretty quickly. Um, and that, um, I think that goes to show, like, the way armies are structured now in Ninth, And we heard this, like, last January as well when Ninth was just kind of swirling around his rumors that you really need to know your army inside out to kind of get the most of it and kind of to be the best. And, like, I mean, it seems like a silly little rule. Like, you get a five-point model back when you kill another model. Um, like when it's a 10 point swing, that's a huge difference. Huge, huge. Um, the other trick I was, so I did two tricks that I was pretty proud of in this game. Um, yeah. And literally that, that knowledge would have won me the game. So like, yeah, you absolutely have to be an expert in your army in ninth edition. Um, or you're going to have a tough go. Um, yeah, the other, the other, the, so the two things I did, I was pretty happy with. So the Terminators have a stratagem that we talked about that like gives you minus four leadership if a Terminator kills a model. Oh yeah, that's spicy as shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I did that to the very to uh, uh, to some uh, God, what was it? It was Sanguinary Guard with one model left, um, and they failed their leadership test and and died, um, and that prevented my opponent from getting Oath of Moment. The, the victory point for that. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it gave me the extra kill I needed for, uh, grind them down. <laughs> so, 
I mean, that's some like really cool swings. And like we were looking at that strategy. I'm like, yeah, maybe morale isn't quite as important anymore. But man, that just swung you so many points. It was huge. It was huge. And then the other one, I did the uh, the noxious uh, or not noxious blade ringer. Um, the biologist putrefier. He gets to pick a unit within six, and they get uh, six mortal wounds on sixes. Um, and so I just wanted to see what would happen. So I charged. I used it on my death shroud, and I charged a unit of tactical marines. Um, and I, <laughs> I use so what? So you do the sweep attack. Um, so they each get eight attacks. Uh, the champion gets ten. So that's forty-two attacks between five death shroud. Um, and then you, they're in arch contaminated range. So they get to reroll, fail to wound roll or reroll to wound rolls, not just failed ones. And they were within range of my, uh, Lord of Corruptions. So he has a six inch aura of reroll ones to hit. So there were 42 attacks hitting on twos, rerolling ones. And then any dice that wasn't a six, I just rerolled for the, for the two wound roll. So I missed with one attack. I saw 41 hits. I rolled, I got, uh, after all the rerolls, I got 17 sixes. Um, <laughs> and since I'm wounding them on threes, I got like, like 40 wounds or something Jesus. like that of AP minus one. <laughs> so, I mean, it like a way overkilled the squad, but holy shit, 17 mortal wounds on anything is ridiculous. That's crazy. Like, and I love, kills. I love that, um, uh, upgrade oh. so much. It's awesome. It's awesome. That's a great support character. So. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was a fun game. It was a fun game. Like I said, uh, forty eight to fifty one. Um, so I lost by three, just barely. Um, but those are the been, best games, right? Uh, because you can point to like two or three moments in there where it could have gone the other way, and I'm sure like uh, Miller can look at it and point to two or three things he could have done to like kind of do more. Uh, so games like that absolutely. are like super super cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and it was it was a great game in that respect. I, I'm 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 pretty happy with. Uh, so it was fun to play the Death Guard for a minute. Um, I could definitely see the weaknesses in the list, and definitely some of the mistakes that I made that I could have improved on. Um, so if I decide to play a list like that again in the future, spoiler, I won't. Um, but uh, I would definitely have uh, some. <laughs> I would have some better tools to kind of understand uh, what I need to do. I the list needs some range firepower. Um, so I think that while I didn't want to include plague Marines at first, I think I do want some plague Marines. Um, so jo yeah, John, you showed me a list this week that had a lot of, uh, uh, plague Marine bodies with like special weapons. And I kind of was like, eh, I don't know about this, but now that I've like played, I think you want at least one good size squad of plague Marines. It's all the objectives um, secure, right? Objectives. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I shared with Danny sometimes where I was like, I think it was like 35 plague Marines, like uh, five squads of seven. Um, yeah, yeah, and just yeah. like each squad had two plasma guns and a, a blight launcher in it just for like firepower. Cause like I'm looking at it and, and there's certain builds I want you to do where like they want you in close and they want you to do combat. Um, by the way, the mm -hmm. stratagems in the army's built, I don't think plague Marines fill that role. I mean, and obviously I could be like very, very wrong. Um, but when I look at the other options you have, so like the blight, uh, the blow drones with flash mowers, the death shroud, the blight lords, you have way better options for way better point efficiency than the Plague Marine Squad, uh, especially with the changes right. to uh, Flail of Corruption, Loss of Death to the False Emperor. Um, so for the po like cost of two Plague Marines, which is like um, 50 points almost, you can get one Death Shroud, which has a much better weapon, uh, much better survivability, and uh, about the same amount of attacks. Or even more if you choose oh, to sweep. Oh, yeah, they're insanely tough. So, like, that's, like, I'm having the hardest time, like, specking up Plague Marines as a close combat weapon. 
or our options. So I'm looking at them like for a firepower as an objective holder, um, just really as something because especially with how limited the new army construction is, like you have to have either plague marines or terminators. Um, but then again, every time right, I build right, a list with plague right. marines, it feels really bad. It's like 40 models, and sure they're really tough, and it's like a hundred odd wounds of stuff. Uh, it just I don't know yet. So I shared with Danny a couple of lists I'm going to go for. I'm going more for the heavily mechanized list to the start. And then I'm thinking I'm just going to cut back on things and add Plague Marines to flavor. Because um, I think the core is there. I just need to figure out what doesn't work. And the way I learn, I'm not going to learn it like looking at a piece of paper. I'm going to learn it by putting it on the table and figuring out what works and what doesn't. It's a wonderful sip. Um, but yeah, uh, what else have you been up to, Danny? Uh I think that's about it. Uh, I've just been uh, kind of looking at my model collection. We did that death card review last week, of course. Uh, so check that on YouTube if you have a chance. Yeah, um, it was super other cool. Other than that. It was our first <laughs> review we got to do in months to get together. In fact, yeah, the first time we got to record together in months uh, in person, which was super nice. Yeah, finally. Like, yeah, that was nice. It was, it's always good to see somebody like in person for real. Yeah, and uh, raw dog the air with them. <laughs> we, we sure did. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, John. What have you been up to? Uh, oh man, so we did the Death Guard review. Um, we looked at the book and kind of what came in. Um, I had very like my initial reaction wasn't. It, I mean, the book is good. There's a lot of good stuff in here. You just have to jump through so many hoops to make your army. Um, that I need to kind of like, I needed a few days to kind of get my head around like how to build an army. And I can't like remember how many things I would like armies I would make and send to you or others. And I'd be like, wait, no shit. That's illegal because I'm throwing pox walkers in there, but I only have two core and I need to do this, but I have cultists here, but that, you know what I mean? It's just like all of the things you have to go through to make it actually work. Um, so kind of like an initially looking at the book i actually went and ordered and again from gw so probably going to get it in like march or so um uh, a bloat drone kit because i only have dark imperium ones and, and flash mowers are really where it's at and also another plague surgeon um mainly because i and i think this was actually before the book um i mm -hmm. knew I, I had a thought they were going to be good um and generally there's things that go out of stock for literally months right now when they're good um, so I wanted to pick one up just in case, um, I needed to run too. Uh, so I, I ordered them and then after we did the book review, I went back in and I, I ordered, uh, another unit, uh, or another three death shroud and then a chaos space marine terminator Lord, who I think is my favorite unit in the new book. Uh, I have to say, um, just cause of the utility he has that death guard really don't have with anyone else. Um, so like my the lists I be making they've always included and he's only 125 points for a Terminator Lord with a combi Melta and a chain fist uh, and then on top of that for one CP you give him a warlord trait which makes him toughness six um, and he ignores AP one and two so right away you have this super durable character you can drop literally anywhere on the table who can just take out vehicles. And like the rest of my list I have there is that has Mortarian, obviously. So it's like, do you try and take down Mortarian who's running at your lines? Or maybe there's like a tank killing character I dropped in your back lines who hits on twos and is probably going to be wounding you on twos because of the minus toughness aura. Um, so like I picked up an, an, uh, another Chaos Lord because I really want to make like a cool Nurgle guy kind of based off of that. 
Um, outside of that, honestly, I didn't really do much hobby stuff. Um, oh, I, I ordered a bunch. Of, I talked to uh, Michael Tempe uh, from the High Lords podcast, uh, and I finished my 3D printer setup. Yeah. Uh, so that's all oh, in man. now. Yeah, that that sounds so cool, dude. Oh yeah, man. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna take videos of it of it working. It looks so weird and cool. So I I picked up a cleaner slash curer. Uh, because as you know, in Alaska, we have very little natural sunlight. So what it does, it's like a little, uh, machine that washes your prints and then it rotates it in front of a UV light. So it cures. Uh, so I'm excited to kind of get playing with that. Uh, maybe make some of this dark Imperium, uh, blow drones into flash mowers. Um, and then Danny, you and I actually spent the last weekend, um, you more than me, actually more than anyone else, uh, commentating for hammer out cancer, uh, part of, uh, the Biff Paw charity drive. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot. I forgot for a second that we had done, that. uh, like this last weekend was such a blur. Like Danny, I think just, you did like 15 hours of commentary. On yeah, stream. I did 15 hours of commentary this week. That's a lot. Um, I only did nine. I was really, uh, really negative about oh, it. Oh, gee, John, only more than a normal work day. I mean, you really slacked off there, I think. I think what's funny is so <laughs> we were paired together to commentate the first stream on Sunday morning, which for us is 5 a.m. our time. So we're like, okay, cool, whatever. And then we were paired for the last stream together. We're like, okay, cool. And then the middle stream, I was paired with someone else. And then that person didn't show up. So I'm not the most knowledgeable person about 40K. And I'm looking at this game where I have no other commentator for me. There's no one at the table <laughs> to tell me what's going on, like who has what secondary, you know, all that other kind of fun stuff. Um, and it's who played in that game? That was um, was that it was Imperial Guard uh, versus Sisters? I want to say. Yeah. So Chuck versus Zach. Yeah. So like sister, and I was just like, yeah, I'm very lost. Uh, trying to kind of let the players talk at the table and not talk over them because you know I don't know what I'm talking about. And then I get this message from Danny. He's like, hey, do you need help? I'm like, yes. Like, get on here right now. Um, but no, I had a, actually an amazing time. Um, and it was, wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like, I was very nervous about doing, like, the whole thing. Because, like, over on, like, the mainstream, you had, like, Adam Camilleri, who has enough energy to power, like, three small towns um, in his uh, oh my commentating. God, yeah. Uh, you have Falcon, of course, who we're going to talk to later, who's just uh, like a really good commentator as well, and all of these amazing people. And then there was me. Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> so. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, first of all, you rate just as high as any of those people. Like, so don't put yourself down. Oh, but it's what I do best. It's my Scottish heritage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I got to say, like, game one, I had a great time. Um, and it was super nice, like, just seeing stuff and, like, kind of looking at games and being able to table talk without table talking, which I think is my new hobby now, uh, which we were essentially doing. And I also learned a, a bunch of neat little tricks that I think I'm going to be able to use and pick up. And it kind of goes to the benefit of showing, like, like or shows the benefit of, like, watching streams and watching people play games. Um, like, they're an Imperial Guard player, like, did a whole bunch of things. I'm like, oh, I got to watch for that. Or like, oh, I can do that because my thing does a similar thing to this. Um and yeah, def definitely worthwhile. So if you have time, check out the streams. Uh, Biff Pod's Twitch channel should have the streams up and uh, available to watch. And uh, the Can Hammer Twitch channel should have the streams up and available to watch. Uh, and if you want to see what me and Danny were doing, uh, we were on the Can Hammer one right. for a couple of games. And then the last game, we got bumped to the main channel. Heck oh, yeah. yeah. 
We were the main show, my friend. I, I was on Canhammer all day the first day too, so uh, that was the only time I spent time on the actual BiffPod stream. Um, but no, it was a lot of fun, and they raised a lot of money and did a lot of good for a couple of really uh, Fred Fred Hutchins car, uh, Cancer Research, and also for Vincent Price, one of their uh, local players, uh, who had a re has a really bad cancer diagnosis. So they set up yeah. this event to really kind of help out. So again, thank you to Colin and for putting it on, and, and for BiffPod for having us. Definitely check out the streams. I'm sure there'll be more info later in the summer for Charity Hammer, which will be happening um, when COVID isn't, you know, destroying the world. Um, um, but yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. And like I said, I was really honored to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. And like the, the amount of money was crazy high. Um, what was the final donation? Do you, do you uh, remember? I didn't. I, I think it was right around $12,000, which I think is pretty close to the previous Charity Hammer, like the actual Charity Hammer raised. Um. So that's uh, amazing. I'm I'm really proud to have been a part of that. Um, big thanks to Colin for organizing that. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, and they had this um, crazy yeah, setup. to help out. Yeah, it was great. And then if you guys have the chats, like I think my personal favorite stream was the first game on the Canhammer stream um, where it was Imperial Guard versus Tyranids. Just because if you want a lesson on how to pull as many points as possible from a game, um, it was, uh, was it Zach, right? No, no, Tyler. The, the Tyranid player, uh, Tyler, uh, did an amazing job pulling back a game. He should have got oh, a lot less what points. What a scrappy on. player. Um, and, but I will say, like, from a production standpoint, our last game we did, um, where we had uh, Chuck as a little table boss, uh, was just... Pickles. 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 I'm, oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pickles as a table boss. Um, man, <laughs> what a lot of fun. And it was, like, it was super nice, like... Uh, we would talk from end of assault phase to end of movement phase, and then we just shut up and watch the game. And like that was a really satisfying thing for me to do. And like me and Danny would be talking, and all of a sudden Pickle would be like, "Hey, uh, we're gonna go to the table now." We're like, oh, "Okay, we'll shut up." <laughs> and then we did, and it was uh, a lot of fun. What was your favorite game from the weekend, Danny? Um, let's see here. So, I think watching the game, my favorite game was. Uh, Tyler versus Zach, where uh, Tyler or Tyler was just really trying to make a game of it. I think that was my favorite one to watch. Um, competitively, excited about the Peter versus uh, uh, Peter versus Zach game. I thought that was a really good game, actually. And the Chuck versus Zach game was really good too. Like all three of those games that we did on Sunday were really um, like they weren't blowouts, um, which was which was great. Um, the other two games that I watched on the, that I did the first day. Uh, the first one wasn't as much of a blowout, um, but the second game was just this Blood Angels versus uh, Slanesh Demons, and it was just like, it exploded. Like, <laughs> the Slanesh Demons just cleared the Blood Angels off the table um, with a couple of rad heroic moments that Harrison was able to pull off. Nice. But yeah, definitely check out those streams. That was really fun. Um, well, if we have nothing else, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with uh, Peter uh, to talk about him a little bit. Do you have multiple a wound? A standard bolt gun? Having trouble maintaining an acceptable Xenos kill count? Only barely over two meters tall? Maybe it's time to ask your lieutenant if the Rubicon Primaris is right for you. The Rubicon Primaris is a prescription process that helps you to update that tired look. You may notice an increase in your purging abilities after two to within two to four hours. You may experience loss of life, additional organs, and a points increase. Do not take the Rubicon if you plan on fitting into rhinos, drop pods, or other traditional vehicles. 
The Rubicon Primaris is not intended for second founding chapters. The Rubicon Primaris is for use on genetically enhanced super soldiers over the age of 800 only. You are encouraged to report negative side effects to your company's apothecary. The Rubicon Primaris. Because sometimes plot armor is just not enough. Right, and we are back. You know what? We're not just back, John. We're so back. So back. I love being the second person now who gets to say that this time, like disinterestedly <laughs> from afar. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so today we're joined by a very special guest. Uh, we have uh, our, and our guest could be better than you at 40K and can back it up with statistically. Uh, Peter the Falcon swooped onto the scene, providing data and statistical feedback on competitive 40K and has helped shape the community by making the majority of his data available for free at 40kstats.com. A frequent podcaster, he joins Val on the tournament roundup show 40K Stats Center, corrects Pablo on chapter tactics, and stays up to the small hours with Rob of 40K Jason Falcon. Welcome. Welcome. Wow, that is the best intro I have ever had. Um, Like, I'm blown away. You know all the things that I do, especially the correcting Pablo thing. That is like my... That is basically what I get paid for these days. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's basic Googling and listening to 40K podcasts. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. Hold on a second. You get paid? <laughs> uh, Pablo once gave me a used box. Um, and by box, I mean like just a handful. Like he just handed them to me of aggressors. So yeah, I've been paid. I've been paid before. Wait, you guys All are right. getting aggressor money? Yeah, I'm getting aggressor money. Three golden painted aggressors. It was it was awesome. Oh, and I guess this is where I like go caca or something. Um, I was very. Oh, yeah, I won't I, make you make some stupid animal sound, dude. I was um, very specific on not putting like any bird related questions uh, in the oh, thing today. Wait, 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 wait. No, right. I have some bird related. <laughs> right. I only have bird related questions. <laughs> the rest, the of, rest this of this interview. interview will be bird related questions. <laughs> Um, oh, okay. I have sound effects queued up then. That's good. Cool. All right. Um, <clears throat> so before we get started into like the meat of this interview, I've got some icebreaker questions for Pete here. Um, good, good. I don't and, feel comfortable. So this is perfect. Okay, cool. So these are just random questions that I came up with that, that I, uh, that I Googled. Um, so, uh, okay. these are going to be, these are going to be great. And I think it'll help to kind of like, uh, get people to know who you really are, not just, yep. A talking bird who who uh, who knows numbers. Question one: How um, dare you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you know people call you the falcon. Um, yes, but if you were to pick an animal, what kind of animal would you would you like to be? What kind of animal would I like to be? Yeah, um, there's this penguin that exists that just like just like fucks everything. <laughs> I'd be that. Okay. <laughs> they said I could be yeah. anything, so I was a horny penguin. <laughs> hey, you laid it out. Am I, by the way, before I continue, yeah, am did. I allowed? Am I allowed to swear? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. We yeah, should have yeah, asked yeah. in advance. No, this I've never is... been on a hybrid podcast. I don't know how these work. <laughs> Very fucking mature. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for not correcting Pablo on that, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> So you you want to be a horny penguin? That's your final answer. Like, oh yeah, you even not pick a bird. You still want to be a bird. Yeah, just that one though. All right, all right, all right. I mean, a falcon is cool. It's got a cool name. It, it goes super fast, but it doesn't fuck everything. I mean, we have to ask <laughs> Seth to be sure. 
Right. Um, yeah, that's great. He might he might be like, oh, actually, they're just like horned up anyway. In which case, I would revert to Falcon. Um, but uh, yeah, this penguin, there's some weird stuff it does, but I think I'd be okay with the weird stuff too. You just get over it I, after a bit. It's like a bird that can't even fly, so it's like a shitty bird, even. Yeah. Like so, but I appreciate your honesty. I like hey, that. Super uh, fast swimmer, though, and I am not a good swimmer. Like I am middling really? at best. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. actually How messaging. Floating? I was going to say I'm actually floating. messaging Seth just now, asking if Falcons fuck. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that just um, popped up on my notifications. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, well, floating. If I'm dead, I'm super good at it. Okay. So so there. All right. Um, all right. So let's, let's ask a question a little bit more personal. I did. I mean, I thought that question was a little impersonal, like, but, but it got, you know, it became very personal. <laughs> that is how I am. You'll notice that all questions will become extraordinarily personal. So okay. let's great. <laughs> if you could have an endless supply of any one food, what would it be? Oh man, it would be moon mist ice cream. Um, oh, I knew that. I would, I would. Go all in on Moon Mist ice cream, like all day, every day. Ugh. Could you expand, uh, like expound a little bit on on what uh, what Moon Mist ice cream is for listeners in the United States who don't have that available to them? Yeah, yeah. So Moon Mist ice cream, it's essentially only available in the maritime provinces in Canada. Um, you can now like order it in specialty, like dairy bars or, uh, but, uh, in other places, but, um, it started there. It's a, a like three flavor ice cream, kind of like a Neapolitan. However, the flavors are usually, um, grape, banana, and bubble gum. Sometimes instead of bubble gum, they use, um, like a blue cherry. That's the shitty one. Don't go that route guys. If you're like, man, I want some moon mist. And they're like, it's blue cherry. Tell them to fuck off. But you get the bubblegum one, and oh, man, like that is a treat. I would eat that all day, every day if I could. Um, in fact, back home, there's a, uh, by back home, I mean in the Maritimes where I lived for like 30 years, um, most of my friends refer to me as the Moon Mist Bandit um, because oh, cool. I, would, I would bring Moon Mist to like all sorts of special occasions where it just wasn't necessary um, just to get people into it a little more because I felt it was like lacking in popularity. And he was never invited to another funeral. Yeah, was- yeah, yeah. The funeral ones were way more rough than the weddings. The weddings, the, usually the father or bride of the bride would get real mad because I would um, scoop the moon mist into like the champagne glasses. I've done that more than once. Uh, but overall, generally worked. Made baptisms real awkward when instead of holy water, it was just moon mist ice cream. In just the moon bowl. mist ice cream. Well, uh, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you know, and nothing pairs like classically pairs together like champagne and bubblegum flavored ice cream. So, no, yeah. I mean, if you haven't tried it, people just get in on that. Oh, oh well, conversely, what's the worst thing you've ever eaten? Oh, um, like, oh, hold on a second. That's a food. I don't want to hear any. <laughs> graphic stories or yeah no. okay because like i've been in like weird food eating competitions so i could say some shit um like uh, the thing that almost made me throw up was like cat food in a can um oh. I, can't, I don't know how they do it on always sunny um but for like uh, an actual a lot of glue peter they oh a lot that's true that that's true that is true <laughs> that is not something maybe i should have done that prior to the competition um the worst thing Mm. Like I really usually will eat basically anything. Um, 
I'm not a fan of like raw tomato. I think that's like, a gr- I don't understand how people decided that was something we were, we should eat. Um, what? Tomatoes? Like, come on. It's a relative of nightshade. So right away, like you should, like people in the olden times should have looked at it and been like, maybe we shouldn't eat it. We'll probably die. Um, but even after they took a taste, they should have been like, okay, this isn't good. Um, maybe they cooked it and we're like, we'll just eat it raw because we're lazy. Because I mean, cooked tomato there's there's benefits there um yeah this is a really tough question for me because like i said i'm usually not very picky it would have to be some kind of raw tomato scenario um that would like anything in that variety i just i would be very mad if if i had to eat that forever okay all right uh interesting all right so raw tomato worst food yeah. Bubblegum ice cream, best food. Uh, no, yeah. not bubblegum. Let's be let's be real. It's three flavors. It's not just one. If it was just bubblegum, super boring. But you add in the grape, add in the banana, those extra hints, mm-mm-mm. Just tasty, tasty, tasty. Awesome. Well, uh yeah, the I'm glad that you think that eating a bowl of fruit strike gum ice cream sounds like <laughs> the best thing in the world. It re- like you have to have it to understand. But oh, um, I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. Um let's see here. So uh do you prefer books or films? Books. And why? I like books. I like, I like, uh, I like the smell of a book. Um, like, especially like a new or an old book, middle, middle ground books, shitty okay. smell, new book smell, real good. Old book smell, real good. Um, I just like the feel of it. I like to, um, you know, create the images in my mind while I'm reading. Um, sure. like films are super okay, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily spark as much imagination, um, as a book does for me. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. That's a good answer. All right. I got two more questions. Okay. Number one. Which of Snow White's seven dwarfs describes you the best? And if you need Dope. me to Dopey. Dopey. Oh man, right away. Okay. Don't even have to finish asking the question. It it helps that I only remember three. So and I'm not grumpy and I'm not constipated. That's that was that, that's not a dwarf. <laughs> it's good to know though. Yeah. Then I then I got nothing. I then I only know two, and Dopey would be it. And uh, you heard it here, guys. Eating raw tomatoes definitely makes you constipated. So yeah, well, it, it helps against prostate cancer. So there are some yeah. benefits, but the worst fruit available. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a savory fruit. <laughs> um. All right, last question: What is the strangest gift you've ever received? Oof, 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 oof. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back. Um, when I was in college, a girl gave to me a book about it, the Inuit because she thought I was like really into it. She was like, oh, okay. "Oh man, I I know that you love Eskimos, so I bought you this book." And I was like, "What is this?" Well, you are a horny fan. Like, I had no idea what it was about. I don't know who she talked to that was just convinced that I was just super into the Inuit people. Um, but it was like a book called I Love Eskimos. And I was just like, mm, I don't she get thought, it. She thought you were super Inuit? Yeah, you got it. Bam. <laughs> Lucky I had that queued up. Oh. It was well-deserved. 
It well, yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was. Uh, so, like, do you? So, like, was it about like their culture or like stories from the? I think it was like when I think about it, because uh, I never really read the whole thing. I kind of flipped through it. It was like a seventies book, so it was like mildly racist. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, it just wasn't for me, and I didn't quite know where it came from. I knew it came from a place of love, um, but I didn't get it. I didn't quite understand like what where that place was. Oh. Man, man, I got Those one. Are some great answers. I got one. It's popped up here. Okay, what's uh, something that people are obsessed with, but you just don't get the point of? Hmm. What don't I get the point of anymore? That's a good question. I think I've become so insulated in the people I talk to that I'm just obsessed with all the same things they are now. Um. If you want to make it 40k related, there's like this this obsession with like creating player rankings um, using like ELO or Glico or something like that, and people are just like dead set that it needs to be done, and I don't care, and that's probably like a big one for me. Um, I just don't care. There's a few things that like I understand. I guess I understand kind of why people want it when it comes to statistics, but I, there's a few things I get asked for like repeatedly. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. No one cares about this. Let's move forward. And uh, that's just one that kind of pops to my mind. But I went one and two at an RTT. I got to figure out where I place like statistically. Yeah. Um, yeah. But speaking of Rank 40 me, K, senpai. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's an episode title right there. Thank you, Danny. Um, <laughs> but speaking of 40 K, how did you actually get started in Warhammer? So, excuse me, I'm losing my voice a little bit here. Um, it, it, when I was a young boy um, in a small town called Sunny Corner, um, my father took me into the city to see a marching band. <laughs> and he said, son, no. Um, guys, that was uh, My Humps by Black Eyed Peas. That's what I was going for there, in case you were wondering what the reference was. Um, I got into 40K actually uh, about f- almost 15 years ago now. It was a couple years before my son was born. My wife and I had just gotten married. And um, she was like, hey, if we want to have kids, you might want to change up your hobbies, get into something that is a little less um, um, intensive, time intensive as some of the things you currently do. And um, I went out and played some board games one night with some friends. And one of them, who I'd never met before, this fellow named Craig, he ran the local game uh, shop in Moncton, New Brunswick. He, uh, after a couple games we played, we played like Hero Clicks and Hero Quest and that kind of game. He was, he said, like, man, I think you'd be really into Warhammer. Are you really into these kind of games? Do you want to give it a try? And I was like, sure, whatever, I guess. So a couple weeks later, I went to his place. We played a game of Warhammer Fantasy Battle. It was probably like fifth or sixth edition. Um, he gave me an army of orcs to play and uh, turn one, he killed my um, general uh, with a cannon shot and then explained to me why I made my list poorly. And then I was like, well, you made the list for me, <laughs> but um, I won. And then he was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but it, I still had such a fun time that I, I started uh, you know, showing up at the GameStop every week. Uh, and then I started collecting models and it kind of really expanded from there, like week to week, month to month. I started running tournaments um, for the local crew. Um, 
and they got really big real fast. Um, like the first tournament I ran, we had like 15 people sign up and then 30 people showed up the day of the event to play. Um, so I had to go to Costco and buy extra tables because the game store, we had the room, but we didn't have the tables to play. Um, so I bought like eight tables at Costco, brought them in, played the tournament. Um, we did four rounds and then I drove the tables back to Costco that night and returned them to say they, uh, that they weren't for us. Um, God bless Costco's <laughs> return policy. <laughs> exactly. And that was kind of it. Like I just was hooked. I was hooked with the community. The people were so good to me and to each other. Like we were all nerds, but we came from all these different like walks of life and we came together over this and, um, yeah. So, you know, 15 years ago till now, um, it's, it's been like one of the biggest joys of my life to be part of a community like this and the, the general people that I get to meet and play with and hang out with. Um, and does your wife still happy that you chose uh, something that no, took no. way less of your time uh, than your previous hobby, which I'm assuming was like an 80 hour a week job? Uh, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, yes, I was working a lot of hours back then. So that was part of, probably part of it. Um, but initially, um, when I, when I first started the hobby, she was like super cool with it. Um, then we actually did have kids and there kind of came a point where she was like, you do this too much. <laughs> so it, it kind of became a once a week thing for me, uh, for a while. And then once we moved to the absolute middle of nowhere, four years ago, where there was absolutely nothing else to do, um, she's kind of fully embraced just letting me do the Warhammer thing however I want, um, with whatever time I have available. So. Amazing. So what was your first army? My first army for warmer fantasy was Lizardmen. Um, my wife actually bought me like the starter set um, one Christmas. And then like two weeks later, there was a guy at the store that came in was like, I don't like my Lizardmen. I think they're garbage. Um, <laughs> and, and he sold like three or 4,000 points to me for like 500 bucks, um, which was a pretty good deal. And mostly painted. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of my Lizardman thing. And then when I got into 40K a few years later, my first army was um, Space Wolves. It was going to be Tau. I had asked the um, Craig, the guy that managed the store, like what the armies were like for 40K because there was a, a big community about an hour away and they used to always come to our fantasy events. And I wanted to start going to their 40K events just to show support. And um, so he kind of explained some of the armies that he knew. He wasn't into 40K at the time, and he never mentioned Space Wolves. So I was going to buy Tau. And that was like Tau had had like a third edition book, and that was it at the time. So a lot of the rules were super old, but I, I just was like a super weeb. So I just wanted it real bad. And um, the day I went in to buy like the a bunch of Tau models, um, I noticed the Space Wolf codex on the shelf. So I started flipping through it, and I like went up to the desk, and I was like, Why? the hell didn't you tell me that there were Viking werewolves in this game? Because holy shit, you don't know me if you didn't think I would buy these immediately. And so I, uh, I started a Space Wolves army right there, there and then. I played them for a couple of years and then switched to Tau because Tau became super broken and um, I really liked Riptides. And then it just turned out Riptides were ridiculous for like eight years. Oh man. Remember that uh, first GT we had up here, Danny? Um, where it was, was it like seventh edition, I think still, or was it sixth edition where it was like 25, 30 players and there was like 26 Riptide wings? It was so oh. many Riptide wings, dude. I think I played so against gross. three of them during that event, at least three, three at least out of a five game event. There was a Tyranid player with a Riptide wing. No wonder they have such a great reputation nowadays. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
they're they're gone. Yeah, game for a while. one I remember was versus uh the uh the knight formation, the one with three knights where they all yep. got the improved ion shields, and then Sidewing. Yeah, I played the uh, Firebase support cadre when it first came out, and it was the only oh, formation yeah. in the game, and no one understood like how they worked, and I loved it. I was like, so I just have to take models I was taken already, and I get free rules. Okay, I guess. Cool. Like, yeah. This game must be balanced at some level. <laughs> just not this one. <laughs> just not this one. <laughs> it's it's a it's an idea. It's an attainable level. It's just an idea. Um, what's your your best ever game of forty k? It was actually uh, I've had a lot of really good games, but my the one that always sticks in my memory was actually my second ever tournament game I ever had a 40k um, when I was playing the Space Wolves there was this dude named Josh um, he showed up at the local game store he was playing Drukari I was playing the Space Wolves I had my uh, Lone Wolf who I called Lone Wolf Joe that I had modeled with his shield up like he was a Spartan and he had a chain fist um, and we played that game and it was like so close I like it It was just balls deep because Drukari glass cannons um, and my list was not good, but it was Space Wolves, which were really good at the time. So I was just like getting by off of having a better codex. And um, the game ended with me with just one model left. And it was that Lone Wolf. And back then, Lone Wolves gave a victory point to your opponent if they survived till the end of the game. So we officially ended with a draw, even though I technically like won because I gave him that free victory point, but the game was so much fun. We had such a, like a, a fun time bantering back and forth. We were like, we became really like um, really close friends after that. Uh, we didn't see each other all the time. Cause he lived in another city, but like every time we got together, we had a blast. I had multiple tournament games against him, but that one always sticks in my mind for just like this absolute murder massacre. And even though I tabled him, I still ended up in a draw. That's awesome. I remember those little well, wolf rules because... Uh, oh, man. Yeah, me too. They were like the Slayer rules from Fantasy. I remember that. It, the greatest thing was just running away from a lone wolf who kept on trying to charge my killer close combat unit. And it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. no, <laughs> stay away. Um, so you're you're best known for uh, your kind of ability to kind of present and, and kind of gather and collate statistics in 40k. Uh, and kind of really explain the game on like a, a granular level. Almost like, you know, that Rick and Morty. Where Morty's like, hey, you know, you're a piece of shit and I can prove it scientifically. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to because it's going to bother me if I don't. Um, everyone talks about, like, you know, the main uh, statistics, the wins, losses, you know, faction ratings, all those kind of things. What's an underrated stat that no one really talks about but is kind of really telling for the state of the game? Um, like a lot of people, when they talk to me, if they know my work, they talk about T-Whip, uh, the um, tournaments and winning position. Um, which is uh, like a, a way to verify how a faction is performing just based off of how many times it gets to round five of a tournament, essentially, without without suffering a loss. Um, but a stat that I like just as much, if not more, is just average first round loss. Um, mm. if, you, if you spend a lot of time looking at the numbers, that particular stat actually shows you a lot about like the, the state or the condition of a particular faction. Um, in general, the average first round loss for an army, if all events are five rounds, is 1.95. Um, so a faction that is kind of dead even um, in terms of uh, playability across all levels of the game, 
um, and all like capabilities is going to be around that number because we do have a lot of events that do go to six. It generally ends up being about 2.0 instead. Um, so you can look at that number and really gauge how a faction is performing um, solely based off that, because if it's like around two between like 1.9 and 2.1, it's generally a faction that is pretty solid. Um, it's, it's middling, but that's fine. Once you break that 2.1 side, um, those are all almost always you look at them and those are the factions that that uh, people talk about like as oh I wonder if there's a problem with it it might be too strong etc and once you get below 1.9 it's the same like at the opposite side they're usually very weak um, or they only have one particular build but just looking at that one number you can often gauge a lot um, that being said when it comes to stats like the biggest problem is people focus on one number and like all of the stats tell a story and you really need to look at all of them in order to get like the full picture of the game. So what are some common themes you're seeing across kind of like top armies? Currently? Yeah. Um, the top armies are all, are essentially all either the most mobile or um, the hardest to kill or both. They all have access to some kind of durable obsec. Um, and they generally play the missions very well, which if you're mobile and are hard to kill, you'll succeed. Um, Armies, like the top army right now, pretty much across all statistics for ninth edition has been Harlequins. Um, And that's not, usually I only look at GTs in the past. That's all I would do. But because of coronavirus where we haven't had very many and the ones that we have had have generally been localized, I've kind of branched out with the help of Goonhammer, with the help of... um, best coast pairings and down under pairings josh diffie to just gather more and more data to try and see like how it all pans out and um like harlequins at all levels of the game are extremely like extremely good performers well over a 60 percent win rate which in the past i would have been worried about uh, in different states of the balance for the game but given where we are it's actually not that terrible um, demons are another example, either Nurgle, um, mixed with, uh, Zinch for that, uh, Lord of Change or Slanesh because of just the outright speed of the army. Um, White Scars are performing very well. Sisters of Battle, because they just have so many tools and toys available to them and they change the, the probability of the game. Um, those are kind of like the top armies right now and they all generally fit a theme. The one army that gets talked about occasionally as being a top army and, uh, doesn't seem to be... Um, always there is custodies. Custodies are very interesting to me. If you look at them in a casual play con- a scenario or RTTs, um, their stats are incredible. They, they're generally just below Harlequins in terms of basically everything. Um, but when it comes to GTs and majors, they've won a couple, and it's usually been with very skewed lists um, in very small uh, metas. Um, but when it comes to larger events, majors, or even just larger GTs, they, they tend to hit a loss somewhere. So they're an army that I'm always, I'm, I'm just waiting for someone to figure out. Similar to Admech, they have like a similar problem with very good numbers, but they just have a hard time winning events because they have a couple of really bad matchups. Man, sure. You're that Danny. No. In our small meadow, we got to prepare for custodians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's true. What about Necrons, Peter? I thought they were a, an, an army with a... Oh, they are. Oh, they okay. are now. They are now. I, I I kind of forget to talk about them because they kind of really spiked only in the last two months after their codex dropped. Sure. But sure. they went they went from being a, like absolute terrible army to right. you know mid-50s win rate, which is very good. There's only a couple armies that have been performing better. Um, their T-Whip is actually generally good for the 
you know, eight or nine, 10 GTs we've had, it's not really enough to confirm if it, if it, it's the real deal or not, but mm-hmm. it feels that way. But the other thing, when you look at the lists that are working for Necrons, um, it's, it's definitely different from what had been working for space Marines and, um, all these other armies, right? Like their, their model count is generally much higher for the most successful lists. Um, True. looking yeah. at, you know, like 40, 60 warriors, um, people that are trying to beat them, you have to figure out how to kill 20, usually in one turn, um, to be able to deal with that, to, to deal with that army. So it's, it's very interesting and I'm waiting to see if it, if, uh, like when it, um, What's the word? How am I trying to word this? My mouth decided to stop working for me. Um, when it regresses to mean, like when when we see right. that regression to this is how it's going to be stable. Because if you look at the day to day stats, unfortunately, something that's harder to do with 40kstats.com, and I'm going to work to change that, it's, it's still like going up and up and up, and it hasn't plateaued yet. So that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to see where that plateau hits, and then we'll know like this is where they're actually supposed to be. Nice. Interesting. Well, that's really cool. And Bronx is definitely excited about Necrons. Bronx is excited about Necrons and about the dog next door. He is just adamant that the dog next door is right about there being villains outside. (laughs) Um, In in an unrelated story, Bronx decided to um, take me for a ride sitcom style down the road today um, because we just had an ice storm uh, yesterday. And I decided yeah. in, in um, my best genius method to take him for a jog in my Adidas sneakers. Um, and I slipped on a patch of ice and he decided that that was the perfect time to go full bore as if I was <laughs> sprinting. And he dragged me maybe 10 feet on my stomach um, before he realized <laughs> that I wasn't keeping up any longer. And um, I 100% now believe that I'm living in a sitcom or some kind of Kevin James movie. And I'm just waiting, waiting for the laugh track to kick in. It's the Falcon show. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. hundred percent. Sure. Paul Blart statistician. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned 40 kstatscom Most people probably got their introduction to you from 40 K stat center. Um, the podcast you and, and Val started there. What, what made you guys start that podcast? Um, so I started doing podcasts with chapter tactics about two years ago um, in like mid 2018. Um, and they made me a host probably, I think it was like September or October that year. And uh, Val and I were co-hosts and we got along very well. Val was really into the statistics thing. The whole reason why I started statistics uh, in tracking the statistics was because of an episode of chapter tactics I heard with Val on it. Um, the previous January, uh, best coast pairings had sent like an Excel file to Val with all of the pairings from the previous year uh, for 40 K and he had kind of dug in and the, the data wasn't very good, but he managed to create some graphs out of it. And they talked on it on, about it on this episode. Me hearing that I was like, Holy shit. Like these stats are garbage. And this whole game is based on stats. Why isn't someone doing better? I have like eight hours a day where I'm doing nothing. Maybe I should try. And um, so that kind of where I got started, I started talking to Val like every day we were, we were discussing stats and, and I was like showing him formulas we could use to really kind of dig into how factions worked. And he was bouncing back ideas of things he's always wanted to be able to see. Um, and we did that for a few months. And uh, while this was going on, I was going on chapter tactics and discussing tournament events. And the problem that we had and Pablo had acknowledged it himself was we didn't have enough time. We were doing uh, like a two hour podcast 
and we were only able to devote say half an hour to tournament results, but there were so many tournaments that people, it wasn't getting its due. Um, if I wasn't on the show when they were trying to do it, like they were struggling to keep up with lists, et cetera, and really give everybody um, like talk through how the lists actually functioned. Val and I started discussing it. We were like, why don't we just do like a sports center style podcast where we bring the people on that actually played these lists, interview them and get like the words out of their mouths. Cause really nobody was doing that at the time. Most podcasts, I would say like 99% of them was just two to four guys that were bringing up tournament results. If they even talked about tournaments and just kind of like talking out of their ass, like, you know, Oh, if I played this list, this is probably what the guy's trying to do. And, um, even if they were really amazing players, they were often missing like key points or they were just missed parts of the list entirely. So we wanted to do that justice, but more importantly, we wanted to get the community and the broader community, not just the competitive community, but maybe people that are outside of the competitive community to listen to these voices, understand and, and know their names and, and realize, you know, like they're people too, but they have just like a slightly different view on the game than we do. And we should take advantage and so we created Stat Center, and uh, we started doing it. Um, I was writing scripts for like eight hours the day before we would record a Stat Center episode um, because we wanted everything to be perfect. And uh, it was a real blast up until COVID. We were having a great time, and then you know events started to slow down, and it got a little weird uh, because we were really struggling to um, keep recording events when we weren't quite sure all the time just how seriously they were taking what was going on around them. So, yeah, I was sure. going to say, like, right at the start of COVID, you guys pretty early on made the decision to kind of go on hiatus. Um, so yeah. what kind of really prompted that decision and kind of what were you guys talking about through it? Well, we had a few, in, like, we had an ins a few instances kind of just before everybody stopped for a while. Like, there was a period from, like, end of March until June, I want to say, uh, where, like, nobody ran an event. You might have seen an RTT, but there were no GTs. There was nothing like that going on. Um, but just prior to that, we had had a couple incident instances where we'd be got, gotten popular enough that we would get emails pretty regularly, like, Hey, we're running an event. I hope you guys cover it. Um, and a few of them started getting a little, <clears throat> a little too dangerous. I want to say like, they would be like, Hey, our venue canceled, but we're still going ahead. We found another venue and we were looking at the numbers in these States and provinces and countries. And we're like, I don't know. Like it doesn't feel right to cover this stuff. So Val and I talked at length about it and we talked with Reese about it and we made the decision that like, even if events kept going, we were going to stop for a while and just wait till things settled down. Um, and we did, we stopped for about three months um, and then things kind of cooled off. Most places ended their kind of first wave. The countries were opening up again. We started back up for a few weeks, but we were really struggling because we like, there were a lot of events that were saying they were COVID safe. Um, and I'm not going to name names or point out people because like, like it's, it's, a, it's the game, <laughs> but like there was definitely like events where we were like, okay, we're going to cover this event. And then we would look at pictures from the event and we're like, like, I don't know if they're really treating this seriously and it doesn't look good for the game itself and for so many other reasons. So we just made the decision, like, rather than make this political, rather than make this anything other than what it is, we we're just going to not do the show. And it happened to also coincide with Val having a baby. So it gave him a little more time um, to, to focus on fatherhood. 
And um, yeah, that was really it. It was, it was just this kind of, we wanted to make, we wanted to make sure no one, not a single soul was going to go to an event because they wanted to be featured on our show. Um, it, because I hate to sound like, it sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm making us bigger than we were, but we know that there were people going to events because they wanted to be on Stat Center, and we just didn't want that to be on anybody's mind. And one of these days I will win an event to make that happen. Um, if you stopped running skull altars and muller fiends, man, I think you'd have a legitimate shot, hey, especially man. after Danny moves and if Taylor moves and if Rob moves, like there's probably like, six or seven people that also need yeah. to move out of Alaska, but I think you or, can do it. Or here, I could also move to a different place where there's oh, only hey, me. Yeah. And yeah, it'll be a one person uh, GT. I'll have I my hear kids the play. Isle of Man has very small community. You could probably get there. Uh, I'd still come third in a two person GT. Your kids play, right? Uh, <laughs> they would if I was making numbers. Um, <laughs> something you said earlier uh, was that you guys scripted all of Stat Center. Uh, so, so kind of yeah. take me through the process of prepping for like an episode of Stat Center. So for probably, I want to say the first three months we scripted Stat Center before we, before Val convinced me that it was okay for me to think on my feet. Um, and the process was usually Saturday, uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, I would dig into all the different myriad um, websites and programs that tracked tournaments to see how many events looked like they were going to be GTs. Um, I would track them all over the weekend to see who was winning, who was losing. And then as the results came in, we would start texting people to see if they were interested in uh, being on the show. We would message tournament organizers. Um, some of them would message us once we got you know, a little more popular. Um, we'd message usually the first place player and whoever they played against. Um, if the event was big enough and they had more than one undefeated player, we would usually pick at least two of them to interview. Um, we would wait for their interview notes to come in and then I would listen to them. And I would write a script around um, what they were going to say so that we could um, intro them well, tell a bunch of jokes, some of them a little um, insider info jokes just for a part of the community that we knew was like a big part of our listenership. Um, and uh, we would go from there. We would have like an intro for every tournament. And um, yeah, so the, the day before and sometimes the day of the, the our recording, I would usually... Um, go down into my office around 2 p.m., 3 p.m., and I'd just start typing. I, I would listen to, like, uh, whatever kind of file we got sent, and I would just type out a script to go along with it. So what's something uh, uh, about you that people assume um, but are really wrong? It's like a common assumption people have about you, um, which is just so far off the mark, because being kind of... You know, you're, you're a member of the Frontline Gaming Network. You're a fairly well-known personality, I think, is the, the politest way to put it. Like, what's something people assume about you that is just so far off the mark? You're like, stop. Um, that's a good question. You would assume he's a good person, but that's not real. That's, that's a big one. <laughs> I am a dickhead. Um, there's a lot of people um, until they get to know me that think I'm a lot more serious than I am. Like that's, I think that's kind of the big one. Like I can get pretty pedantic, but I think um, a lot of people don't get that. I like, I, I, there's a strong apathy within me that like turns into jokes and I just love, I'd rather be the fool all the time. I would rather be the fool than the, than the straight edge 
Um, but I often end up playing like the straight person in the, the podcasts I'm on um, because I'm the guy that has the information. Uh, but I would much prefer to be the fool. If I had, if I had it my way, I would just be an idiot like all the time. <laughs> just be a fucking idiot and say stupid things and have Pablo correct me. Um, I would love it. So I really want to have like the the April Fool's episode of Chapter Tactics of just having Pablo correct you uh, for like an hour, <laughs> just like script and- the whole thing and just have him constantly correct you. And I mean, we joke about that. Pablo's such a good guy and he knows so much. It's just when it comes, it's, it's often like when, when I have to correct him, it's always like that last minute episode we do where he's like, Peter, can you come up with something for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll do something. And when I bring up the topic, he's like, cool. And, uh, he just can't lead it because he did, because he had no time and I understand it, but man, it's, it's fun. And he gets it. We love it. Yeah, and he actually came up here uh, a couple of years back uh, and was like super awesome guy. Uh, so totally. he is he is one of my top five people in 40k for sure. He's just such a good soul. So what's something that you've sort of accomplished with Stat Center that you never thought would happen? Getting people to to listen to us at all. <laughs> I think that was huge. I just like. I loved the the premise and I figured like, well, Val's on the show. People like Val, people will listen, I guess, from that. Um, so that was, that was a big one to actually have people listen to us. I think the biggest thing that, um, that we accomplished was bringing the, it sounds too big, bringing the world together for 40 K. Um, it was another kind of one of our secondary missions was to show people in North America that the game was played other places and that there were good players other places. And like, we aren't the only people playing this game. It's not just us. It's not just like the UK. There's people in Poland that fucking destroy this game. Yep. There's people in Australia that wreck. And to me, that was like the big thing was to, when I started it on chapter tactics by trying to focus on these events in like Sweden and Australia. And then when we got to like further that on stats center, that was a big thing for me. Um, One of my favorite emails I ever received um, was one morning I woke up and I got a message from Germany and I'd like never expected that. It was like 6 a.m. I was getting ready for work. I checked my phone and there's this like email from this this dude in Germany. He's like, I just want to say we love your show. Thank you so much for talking about us because no one ever has. Um, And I was like blown away by it. And they're like, hey, can we talk about this stuff on your on our podcast? And I was just like, I cannot understand Uh, Target Priority Podcast, by the way, an amazing show. Um, I was just, I couldn't understand like how we had managed to connect people in all these other countries that we like never really got to before. So that was a big thing for me. And it still is. Um, I try all the time to get like people to focus on these other countries because they do, they do things. They're playing the same game we are. And some of these players are absolutely fantastic. So who are some of these We're talking about places that like whip our ass at ETC or WTC, like all the time. Oh yeah. So like, it's obvious that these people exist. We should be talking about them. They are extremely good at this game. Yeah. Um, I know recently, like in the BiffPod Discord, there was a conversation about like, who's the best player, 40K player that you that you know. And someone had, like, names were brought up and they were almost all North American names. And um, uh, Boss Baby, Ennis Wilson, kind of was like, well, you know, like, can any of you name a player other than Peter um, that isn't from the UK or the United States? And... Um, And that's like, but that's the thing, right? Is we don't think about, you know, there's these guys in Poland that come in second or third, basically every time there's a WTC and they think in such a different way than we do. Sometimes we just don't, we, we don't see it. 
Um, you know, if we go back years, not that long ago, a couple of years ago, there was always that joke, like the UK was is six months ahead of the meta. But yeah. I, like, I remember when I started covering Australian stuff, I would bring up these players and other people would be like, they're not good. It's just because it's Australia that they're winning. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure these guys would shit all over like 98% of us, if not more. Um, like Eric Lathoris, I used to bring him up all the time because the first time I watched him on a stream, I was like, this is the best player I've ever seen play a game of 40K because everything he did was like perfect. And I'd never really seen that. He'd seen like Brandon Grant go full robot mode occasionally. Um, but like with Eric, it was like, this is just his second nature. This is just how he does things. Um, so there are players Dude, like that. That guy's hands are so fast. Like watching yeah. him play that game with all the Tyranids was insane. Like yeah. how do you move and play that many models all anyway? Yeah. And perfectly placed. Like it's, it's right. He's right. played it so much. Right. And so the, it's, that has been a big thing for me was trying to spread that message. Like this game is so big. It's so worldwide. We should be looking at it from a worldwide perspective. So do you think, cause I mean that, that joke has persisted for the longest time that the UK and like Europe's like six months ahead of the meta. Do you think they just have a higher caliber of players compared to us overall uh, in the United States that they're just no. getting stuff quicker or, or where does that come from? I mean, like they played a different game than us for several years, right? They didn't care about the ITC. So they played ETC. They played um, book missions during eighth edition. Like they monsters, the best that they did for eighth edition was they comboed Maelstrom and eternal war missions, right? That they very rarely played ITC. So oftentimes they were playing a different game. Um, But by playing a different game, they saw combos that we didn't think would work because of the ITC, right? A lot of times when you look at like our best players, they're so analytical they'll be like, well, you know, that's, that's going to, if I played six hive tyrants, my opponent's going to max X secondaries against me. Um, right. Without actually playing the list. Right. And then Matt root takes it to Adepticon or whatever and demolishes everybody. Cause he finally sees the big picture and is like, Oh, well I can just null deploy my entire army and all they can kill is ripper swarms for a turn. Oh, now I see that they're just not going to score secondaries cause they'll be dead. And like, it's stuff like that, that kind of just didn't carry over back uh, early, early on as the last couple of years have progressed though. I think North America has definitely spiked in its talent by a large margin. Like we're not just talking about Nick, not anymore. We're not talking just about team happy anymore with like an asterisk beside their accomplishments. Right. right sure. Um, like we, we've got team like melancholy. the dudes at Brohammer that are working, <laughs> working together. Like there are so many podcasts with just ridiculously amazing uh, people that can analyze this game at a, at a different level now that it's changed everything. I would say that North America, UK, Sweden, Australia, they're all on the same page. There might be small parts of these countries where it's, it may be like a step behind, but um, I don't think that there's any major difference in skill level any longer. So you said like one of your proudest achievements is shining that spotlight on things outside the North American market. Who, who are some of the players that you, you've been able to really expose people to and, and have people learn from? Um, one of my favorites that we had on Stat Center was Menelik Eriksson. He's a player out of Sweden. Um, he's like 14 years old and he won a, a major over there. And I think he's second placed in, at, at another one. He was running another guy's list, Carl Abramson, who is like a fantastic player. Um arguably the best player in Sweden. Um, and um, I loved get, getting him on the show. Cause it's like, here's this kid that's just like stomping face and I'm sure he's using somebody else's list, but 
that doesn't mean anything. It, that list was hard to play. So it was one of those things where getting like that name out there, um, Rickard Nilsson, the like, Admech player, being able to talk about him pretty frequently was awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a couple German players that we interviewed, um, Matthias, uh, Matthias Weinhardt, I want to say his name is from the Prague open who ran this like crazy Astra Militarum list that won a couple years back. Oh, is that with all the chimeras? Was that the mechanism? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was the coolest. Like like getting those names out there was really exciting for me. Um, and then when we did our WTC episode, that was huge because oh, that was a episode. we we really like there was very little coverage in previous years of WTC on the North America side. Um, like the year that the US won, there was like no coverage. Um, so it was just like, hey, we won. Let everyone super excited. No one quite understands why. So it was really <laughs> it was really big for us to be able to have this to do this whole like episode and we that was the longest prep we did for any episode ever because we were interviewing all these teams and talking to players from like around the world and um getting like real insight into how the game is played at that level i think that was that was our crowning achievement nice so yeah and then if you guys want to hear if you haven't listened to the interview we did with ennis wilson ennis is the uh captain of team scotland for wtc which is a completely different way to play, um, but it is amazing and kind of like adds whole new layers onto the game of 40k. Um, since you guys went on hiatus in Stat Center, you guys have been popping up everywhere again. Uh, most kind of frequently with Rob over on the 40k adjacent adjacent show. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, Rob Symes, the from the Honest War Gamer. He's been a friend of Val and I's for for a couple of years now. He's very into statistics. He does them for the Age of Sigmar community, him and, um, and another fellow on their show. And um, so when he heard that we were doing 40K, when I was doing 40K stats and that Val was helping out, he reached out. We, we, um, we became like close friends right away. Um, he invited me to help um, host the Capital City Bloodbath in 2019 with him, which was an absolute ball. I finally got to meet him in person. He's such a good person, very salty person when it comes to certain subjects, but like overall, just a great guy. So when COVID started and the UK went into their first lockdown, he decided he was going to do a stream streak where he was going to stream every day until COVID was done. And um, after doing it for, I want to say like a week, he invited Val and I on for like a one shot show for just like an interview about stat center and what we were doing because of COVID. And we went on like a long rant about the Bush administration and placenta on that episode and just like random nonsense. And we almost, we, we talked for maybe five minutes about 40 K. And when the episode was over, like we were like, we would just like to do this all the time if we could. And um, so the 40 K adjacent show was born every Tuesday in the afternoon in the UK, it's um, uh, 5 a.m. Mountain Standard Time uh, for by North American standards, because that's the that's when I I hop on. Um, I wake up around four in the morning. We get set up and we just shoot the shit for an hour and a half, usually about sometimes about 40k, but most often just about like whatever we want, and then like a 20 minute ins- insert on our views of the current 40k world. And it's great. It's a ball. I I love it to death because. I, I mentioned earlier, I love to play the fool and it, it just lets me do that. I don't, I only have to think for 
20 minutes on that show. And the rest of the time I can just talk nonsense and, and have a good time. What's the best aside that you've ever had in the 40 K Jason show? Like so the best oh, conversation that went off the kilter. Um, frick. Um, I think it was like the second time we went into placenta where we got like super into, uh, into like whether you should watch it um, during the pregnancy. Cause Val was about to have his baby. Um, and we were like, should you eat it? And we went on this long, <laughs> it's, it went like way too long and Rob was getting sick over it. And Val was <laughs> curiously intrigued. And um, that was one of, that was one of my favorites. We also did an episode that ended up spawning a bit of a meme. Um, the podcast fuckboy meme where we went on a bit of a, a rant about like, you know, hopping onto different podcasts and what that was like. And we called Val the podcast fuckboy. It turned out Val didn't know what a fuckboy meant. He thought it was something very different. <laughs> um, and, and so it, that, that in itself kind of grew, there's a t-shirt now available. Um, and uh, yeah, so those are probably my two favorites, but like every time it's about the last episode we did this week, um, I was particularly tired and it came out and I think it was one of our best episodes for just foolishness. And I was very mad about um, the new Luminarch models that they showed because their hats are, are ridiculous. So I went on a rant about stupid hats. There was another rant about townies, like, people sure. that live in cities. The, the you don't hats. like their hats? I thought their hats were reasonable finally. Yeah, it's the like hats on the kangaroo riders that are the ridiculous part. Yes, yes. The kangaroo rider hats are absurd. I was also angry that they weren't called kangaroos because that's bullshit. Just call them what they are, people. Um, I did say that the character's hat seemed moderately okay, but like Luminarch hats are fucking bullshit. What is up, guys? Stop it. So stop it. GW, no one likes them. You no guys, one. You guys both wait, played wait, fantasy, wait. right? Uh, Danny, he doesn't you have speak a, for everyone. I like he, those I hats. do. Danny, you, I do. I you do have a sizable high elf army, Danny, uh, from fantasy. Do. Um, did you think 10 years ago that you'd be like, you know, the future of this army? Kangaroos. Giant hats. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I did. I heavily invested <laughs> in some toy kangaroo models. Um, so I used those for Illyrian Reavers. And yep. uh, here we are. I see it. Yep. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you too then i guess danny <laughs> um so you guys being on hiatus with stat center do you have plans for the year here or kind of what's your guys timeline yeah once the the nopen is done um we're just gonna we don't really have plans so much as we're gonna play it by year um there's a lot we want to do we have worked out doing a live show very much like a sports center so we would do it on twitch um, with our actual faces for everyone to see and no scripting any longer, just like flying off the seat of our pants, which we'd already started doing for five or six episodes um, anyway. So that'll be a thing. And um, yeah, just kind of getting back to the roots of it. And if there's still no events for too long a time, maybe we'll just kind of co-opt the adjacent show and make it ours, but on a different channel so we can do it twice a week and just, you know, BS because it feels good. Nice. So you At mentioned until we can cover events again. And speaking of events, you you mentioned the Nopen, uh, which would be this year's premier event. Uh, Las Vegas Open, of course, canceled due to COVID. Uh, Peter, you put together the LV Nopen, uh, Las Vegas Nopen. Why don't you tell me about that? Sure. So 
when um, Reese finally announced that like the LVO just wasn't going to happen, something I think most people had assumed for a month or two prior, but we just kind of had to wait for the word. Um, if you pull it back like a, f- a further by a year, last year's LVO, Val and I, Paul Murphy from Forge the Narrative, Adam Camilleri from um, Art of War Down Under, we had gotten together to make a secondary stream for the LVO because we felt that GW really doesn't do that amazing of a job of showing off competitive 40k. And we wanted to see if we could do it better. And I think we mostly succeeded. I felt really good about that show. And after that, we were so excited. Like we were coming up with ideas. We were messaging Reese. We had plans to do the Bay Area Open. We were going to cover SoCal. We were talking to other TOs about doing their events. It was just going to be a thing. The 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 Ocho, as it were. But COVID, of course, got in the way, like it got in the way of so many other things, and we kind of stayed quiet. We still kept up with each other. And then when the announcement came out that um, there was going to be no LVO, Paul Murphy sent out a message to all of us like, hey, do we want to do something about this? What could we do? And I like immediately jumped on it because I it just, I, I don't know, maybe I had been drinking, but like in my mind, I was like, we can do so much. We have so much time. Why don't we do something? And so I started just messaging people that I knew that streamed because I was like the co- the most COVID safe thing I can think of is getting the streamers involved. So I messaged Bridger from Tabletop Titans. I talked to John Lennon and uh, Nick Nadavati over at Art of War. And uh, like I reached out to 10 or 15 people. I know that Val did the same, Paul, just to get a feel for what would people be interested in something if we did it. We had like a resounding yes. So we had a meeting, we kind of nailed together what we wanted to do. Initially, it was going to be like a, just like a stream of Palooza where we interconnected a bunch of different streamers. They would do whatever they wanted to do. And it would just kind of be like something nice. Um, Val immediately was like, I don't know if people will actually care to watch that because they're just going to watch their own stuff anyway. We need to make a, we need to make it connect. And so we kind of came to this conclusion. We would make it an RTT of some kind, some kind of tournament. And that's where the Nopen came up was we reached out to um, a bunch of different streamers who are competitive 40K players for the most part, or who just have beautiful, beautiful streams. And we said, would you be interested in playing a tournament where you're, it's your list that goes forward round to round, but not necessarily you? And um, the response was super overwhelming. Everyone was like, 100%, that sounds like an amazing idea. And it was born. So we, we made sure that we had people that um, were in COVID-safe countries, or if they were in a lockdown, they were still allowed to stream for whatever purpose. We... Um, we made sure we had people in different time zones because we wanted to hit as many countries as possible. So we had like Adam reach out to people in Australia. Um, I reached out to Vanguard Tactics, Hellstorm Wargaming, um, a couple other people in the UK. And we, we came up with this plan where we would stream essentially the same hour as the LVO would have streamed, but with all of these platformers and these, all these different platforms instead. And um, so it was born. And so we had this 16 list single elimination rtt um it's going to start friday january 29th it's going to run straight through till sunday the 31st and um it's going to be about following lists rather than players and um, we're doing it for charity we've added a charity to it because if we're putting all this money into something we want to make it worth something more um and so there's a charity assigned with the coronavirus relief fund which is run by a, a giant charity called global giving 
and all of the proceeds that we get, we give to them and they're giving it to um, medical professionals to make sure that they get the equipment they need and that they can get to places that are having a hard time um, getting the help they need for coronavirus. Um, so getting them to remote areas in the world to, in, in order to provide their services. Um, so everything we're raising goes to that. We've also created a giant prize pool. Uh, Frontline Gaming was remarkably generous. They put together a $1,000 shopping spree um, through their website as a grand prize that we can give out. Um, 40kstats.com has a kind of a limited budget, so I've gathered about $1,500 worth of prizes um, in terms of models that we're going to be giving out round to round. And... Um, Army painters come into it and given us like just a crap ton of different paint sets and modeling kits that they're, that they're providing as well. And we just want this to be this kind of big charitable event where the community can come together. They can watch their favorite people that they like to watch on stream. Um, they can connect with other people around the world and just enjoy the hobby in a time when we're having a hard time doing that because the Las Vegas open, um, all these other super majors, Nova, all these ones that were canceled, um, they're a big deal for us, right? Like I said at the beginning of the show, my favorite thing about this game is the community and being able to hang out with all the players and talk about this game. And we can't do that right now. So this is kind of like our give back to the community. Like, hey, it's not quite the LVO, but it's something. And we're really hoping that people will tune in and watch and, and you know, have a good time. Definitely. And uh, if you were listening, you can go to lasvegasnopen.com um and net, you, net, dot net, net oh my net, gosh net, net. i'm not gonna edit that but lasvegasopen.net um and there you can find the stream schedule who's participating and also how to win those amazing prizes uh, peter just talked about um it's a really easy thing to do it's a cool form uh, which just it makes you do things so maybe you follow some people on twitter uh, maybe you look at some youtube channels um all of the ones that are a part of this form are really cool guys and the nice thing about it when i filled out that form earlier was they're all people i already follow so, so that was uh, super nice to do. Uh, but a couple of them, you know, I'd never heard of. So it's really nice to expand the community there. Um, so you were going to say, Peter. Nope. I just, I just wanted to say, like, I wish we could have included more people. I think that is the, if we had a disappointment in setting this up, it was we, like, we reached out to 20 some odd streamers. All of them said yes. We had probably 20 more that we were going to reach out to, but we just didn't have the time or the resources to make it bigger. Um, if we do this again, that's, that's a priority because there are so many people who like deserve to be involved in this that we just couldn't. And uh, sure. that's the next step. That's the next step. Remember after the first thing after uh, LV Nope is a uh, Nopeva, which is in March. Nopeva. Hey, yeah. Yeah. You, you joke. <laughs> just That's probably happening. Just, just, <laughs> oh, cool. Just uh, keep it on going. Um, yeah. So then as, as we're wrapping up here, um, Danny, you have some listener questions. Um, I do. Yeah, you do. Uh, listeners uh, of this awful podcast in our discord. Uh, we asked them, do you have any questions for Peter the Falcon? And they came through uh, with what I can only assume because I didn't prepare um, are great questions. Yeah, they're like medium, so we'll go over this. <laughs> Good. Yeah, we have great listeners, though. Um, Just bad right, questions. So we, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> uh, so the first question, are there any countries or specific metas that really break your stats when you break them down far enough? 
um, particular countries that break the stats. Like that make the stats like, like for that particular area seem uh, like they're wonky comparatively over to the stats overall. It, in the past, that was a thing. It's not as bad anymore. Um, yeah. Western Australia used to be one where like whenever they held an event, <laughs> it would just be like, I really hope I have like eight other events this week to counter <laughs> what they're about to do. Um, because they, shit is happening. they like the joke used to be like Australia had weird shit, but really it wasn't um, like when, when I would talk about thousand suns and like mixed chaos lists way back in the day before everyone realized how good they were, like before TJ and Jim made them like household names in 40 K um, Matt Morisoli was playing them in Australia and destroying everybody. And, um, and then whenever I would talk about the meta, people would be like, well, that's Australia. Like we talked about earlier, like they, they don't know what they're doing. But it was right. oftentimes like the joke of the six months ahead, like it was these guys. Um, and then there's just like a level of play to it as well. But they kind of aligned eventually to to how things worked with just like Eric Lathuris occasionally trying to screw everything over. But Western Australia, because it's kind of so separated, like in New Zealand, oftentimes they would have an event and it would be like, I ran only armatures and I won. And I'd be like, what? Now I'm going to get a hundred messengers messages about armager armies and have to explain. Yes, it was a 28 person GT. They, like 20 of them were sheep. Um, like whatever I needed to try to explain the situation. It doesn't say what species it. you have to be to play in a Warhammer tournament. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, uh, yeah. Funny, funny story. This this question was by a New Zealand listener. <laughs> <laughs> the um. Um, Sweden always skews it the other way because one thing I've said before in other podcasts, um, there's one particular Swedish meta that is super hardcore and whatever works at the time or whatever is good, like everyone will bring that army. Right. So like they'll often really skew things the other way. Like when Gene Steeler cults were good, even though they might've been like 3% of the meta in North America, despite being like a very, very strong army in Sweden, it was like 40% were Gene Steeler cults. When That's Raven so Guard and Iron Hands were good, and they were already like thirty percent of the meta, you'd go to a like this like a Westeros GT, and it was like eighty percent were Raven Guard players, and you'd be like, "Oh my God, what is happening?" That's just <laughs> so they would always skew the other way. Like you, like I used to use that as like one of my gauges for a very brief period because this Westeros gaming club used to have events like once a month. I'd be like, I can usually tell what's good based off of you know what eighty percent of their guys are playing this week, right? Um, so. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, if you could nerf two units and buff two units over the whole game, which units would you buff or nerf and how? Man, that's a big question. Heck. That is a big question. I have to pick two to nerf. Let's, let's just do one. Buff. Let's just do one buff, one nerf. I would nerf the apothecary for space Marines. Okay. He's a little bit too strong given all of the things he does and how cheap he is. How would you change him if you were going to change him? God damn it. Don't make me do that too. 200 (laughs) points. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. 500 points. (laughs) I mean, like he gives a feel no pain aura. He gives um, the warlord trait is an auto take um, to like just revive a model every turn. Sure. I think, I think like I would actually like to see selfless healer be an extra CP if you wanted to take it. Unless he was your main warlord, like that would have to be it. Like, oh, that'd um, be okay. 
because selfless healer is very strong. Um, he, he, all of the apothecaries probably could go up five or 10 points easily. Yeah. And I think yeah. people would still take them as for a model that needs to be buffed. God, like literally anything in the Eldar range could probably be said and it would be legit. The avatar, the avatar it needs, oh, to, yeah. it needs a buff. I would, I want that guy to be just fucking incredible. I want him to just like wreck shit. Um, how, how would you buff it. him? I would just make him this like stupid, unstoppable force. The first thing I would do his stratagem where he could like for three CP, he stands back up. Um, if he dies, I would just make that built in. He had like once per game, he just stands up no matter what, no matter what. I'd you like do, to he... see him get the Satan treatment. Like as far as rules go, like that kind of a buff to his rules I yeah. think would be great. I think he should have some kind of like mortal wound output that's ranged. And I think he should like, I think he should legit just uh, not die the first time you kill him. Like you have to kill him twice. Um, and then go from there. Would you guys want to I'm see a return? Plasma. Oh, sorry. Go I was going to say, do you want to see a return of the rule where he's immune to flamers and melters? No, oh, I mean that would be hilarious. But then somehow the Eldar players would still complain. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you didn't pick plasma and scepters. I would have said plasma and scepters a week or two ago, but Death Guard um, and Mortarian in particular make me think that they're not. They're still a fantastic model, and they yeah. do probably need a nerf to a small degree again, like another five points, but just for Plasma Inceptors, not the base uh, Inceptor, um, which was a foolish thing that they did in the FAQ. And, um, yeah, they probably could go up another five points, but I think I think some of the, the, the buffs and nerfs that we haven't seen, I think are... Part of it is time because they right. they kind of put this stuff together six months ago. But the other thing is, um, I I firmly believe that COVID has messed up the schedule so much that they are not willing to balance things due to like what they expect to change in the game when we see some more codexes. Like plasma scepters get a little less strong when Death Guard drops. Plasma scepters might get even even further down the line. Like once we see what Dark Eldar and Orcs and some of these other factions have. So I guess that's. That, in my mind, is where I'm going um, with why we didn't see stronger nerfs to certain things that were, like, um, blatantly too powerful. Sure. Okay. That's fair. Um, let's see here. Oh, man, that's a question about ELO. We already talked about that. Um, listen, let's see I, here. listen, I don't care, but I know everybody else cares. Um I've I, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this. There's a dude working with Goonhammer. I've been helping them a little bit with some of their stat stuff. Um, he has put the Glico two treatment, which is a, a rating system used for chess in some countries, not the federal chess uh, service, but others and some other games. Um, he's applied Glico ratings to factions, and it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I don't think we're ready yet on a player by player level for it, just because of how 40k is currently played. If we get into a place where we have like a legitimate circuit that's worldwide, that's not just the ITC, but it's like um, GW or something like that, then I think we can look at Glico, we can look at ELO, ELO2, something like that, apply it to players and have a legitimate chance of it working out. Uh, but right now, I don't think it's a thing we should be worried about. Um, let's see. Okay, so... Uh... With the connections that you have, why haven't you made an app for 40K stats? Oh, that's a good question. It's because I'm stupid. <laughs> he likes to play the fool. He answered I that do. earlier. <laughs> False. Often. Uh, so, uh, as a follow-up, how does it feel to be the Chevy Chase of the 40K community? <laughs> <laughs> 
You mean like I'm an old shithead now and I and I'm and mildly racist? I guess nobody uh, wants to work with you anymore. Nobody wants to work with me anymore. Um feels good. I mean, yep. feels good. What can I say? Finally, some alone time. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if um, that was what they were going for, but that's what I'm going for. That's what they get. <laughs> that's what they get. Um, if you could make a WCT WTC team and pick any players from around the world, who would they be and why? Man, that's eight people. Let's do five. If you could pick five people to be on like uh, that style of uh, that style of team, who would you pick? I would pick. That's a great question. I actually, I actually really yeah. like that question. That's fun. It's better than my question that I end with. That's cool. <laughs> that's fine. From the, from the U.S., I would pick John Lennon and Brandon Grant. Um, I would pick. I would pick um, Matt Morsoli from Australia. Not Eric? Uh, not Eric. I'd pick Matt. Um, okay. I would pick Carl Abramson from Sweden. So what are we at now? That's four. That's four. Um. So that gets me a Forces of the Hive Mind player. That gets me a Guard or Sisters player. That gets me a Chaos player. Um, let's see. For, and a Space Marines player. Um, I would probably... It's hard because teams come into this, right? But if I'm just going pure skill, I would take... Just trying to think... Probably Rickard Nelson for Admech, um, and that would be my fifth. If I had to go deeper, I would look at um, players like like Ennis Wilson because um, of his adaptability in the game. He's actually generally good at multiple factions, has a great understanding of WTC. Um, for coaches, I would look at Adam Abramowitz because he um, has such a strong attitude and can really bring people together, even if they have disparate attitude, even if they themselves have disparate attitudes. So he'd be something I'd look at from a team captain perspective, if not from a player perspective. Um, another a, a secondary player I'd bring in just to talk numbers is Christopher Wright from Australia, because the guy is like a genius when it comes to talking to him. I, th- I would love to have him and Brandon Grant in a room just talking about 40K because um, I think you would learn so much um, very quickly. Um, like there's a couple players from Poland that I think are absolutely stupid good um, that I would consider as well. Um, uh, man, there's so many good players out there, but I, let's go with that just to, just to get it out of the way. Cause I could, I could think about this for a long time. Oh and, yeah. That's the, yeah. And keep throwing out names. Um Wow, there's so many good players. And I mean, I barely touched the UK and there's like probably three or four guys I'd consider from there. So. Okay. All right. Um, Let's see here. So uh, let's see here. So what's the, what's your airspeed velocity when carrying a coconut? Oh, it's about four. (laughs) It's red. Um. (laughs) Great. Love it. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, I have I have another one here. Oh my god! It's just they devolve into a bunch of. Eh, of course it does. I'm, I, I mean, love I, 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 I love fine. our listeners. 
Just no, it's a just a bunch drink. of falcon, just a falcon joke. Oh yeah, you're good. Give me a drink. I'll get me get a drink, and then you can go full fucking to town on ridiculousness. Yeah. I already told you I want to be the penguin that fucks everything. We started off the show on a, a real good foot for something like this. So, all right. Hell yeah, man! It's a great interview so far. What a guy! What a champion! His voice is like dying, but oh still yeah, wants to, it is. Still wants to answer questions. Of course, uh, Peter spent a lot of time this weekend with hammer of cancer, um, so his voice is probably wonderful from that. Um, yeah, absolutely. He was dying on on Saturday. Yeah, when we when we streamed a game together. So I totally get it. Yeah, I've got something in my lungs, and it's not good, but it is what it is. I also talk on a radio for a living, so. That's that true. can cause problems. Anyway, I'm back. I had a drink of water. We'll see how this goes. What do we got? All right. Um, let's see here. So uh, I would like to be to hear some uh, anecdotals from the Falcon. Anecdotal. Uh, some anecdotals about the best game of your life, the worst game of your life, and at what moments during game. Oh, we can we talked about best and worst game. What moments of game during gameplay um, do you do Falcon sounds? Like, is it during victory? Is it like, uh, is it when you've accomplished a, an objective? The screech of defeat. <laughs> I will say, if I'm playing a game with you and I get extra chatty, it's because I'm beating you real bad and I feel bad about it. Wait, wait! But I thought our friendship was based on on us on us bonding. It was because you were beating me so badly. False. You destroyed me in one game, and the other game was close. Um, no, but like in general, if I'm playing a game, um, I, I I banter throughout. Um, usually, I start off with like my "this is my intent" shit, and and I try to make everybody comfortable. Um, if I'm losing or if I feel like I've made a big mistake, I'll start talking numbers. Like the probability, the serious part of me kicks in and I'm like looking at probabilities and you'll just hear me like muttering probabilities in my head. Um, that, that will just happen. So that's how you know I'm probably in a bad spot or I'll start repeating myself over and over again. But if I'm beating you, um, I start getting real jokey because I'm trying to, to make you feel better. And you may not know that I'm beating you, but that's what's happening. It's like it's it's just a thing that I do. So when the um, joke book comes out, be warned yeah. you're about to go down. Well, in my mind, I might be wrong. It's definitely happened in the past. Um, I had I, there was a tournament I played in back in sixth edition. I remember, um, and I I spite played Tyranids because a guy. Um, in our club said that they were, their codex was so hot garbage that no one should ever play them. By the way, it was bad. Um, and that no one would ever be able to win a game with them. And this was a guy that had um, bought a hundred harpies because he heard on the internet that harpies were going to have essentially object, objective secured. Um, you mean gargoyles? They, uh, gargoyles, yes. Yeah, okay. Sorry. And he didn't, they didn't get that rule. <laughs> so, yeah, no, they sure didn't. So he like sold all of his Tyranids in like a rage and went on the, all these rants and was super salty in the club and it was terrible and really uncomfortable. So the next event we had, I played Tyranids I, and I'd never played them before. And I was, I went, uh, we, it was four, we played a four round RTT. I won my first three games. So I went into my fourth game against like Dark Eldar and there, and I was like, I am going to win this tournament with fucking Tyranids. So I was a way too high and mighty um, with my list going into an army that basically spammed poison and, um, it wasn't good. It wasn't good Ugh. guys. 
but I got pretty jokey early because I, I like, I thought I outplayed him. I made a couple moves and I was like, oh yeah, here we go. Got jokey. And then at the end, he's like, how many wounds your half tyrant have? And I'm like, oh, it's got six. He's like, are you sure? And I was like, no. And then I looked, I'm like, no, he's got five. And he's like, cool. I think probability, I just kill it right now. And then he killed it. And I was like, oh, well, I guess this game is way different than I thought it was going to be. Then he starts to try and make a joke with you. And you're like, the jokes are done. Play the game. Yeah, jokes are done. And then I, and then I like leg swept him and walked out. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. We have somebody asking, could Val not make it? (laughs) Listen, Val... I love it. I love it. I love when people have him on the show. I always say that I'm the secondary guy um, because generally if I've been put on a show, it's because they asked Val and he said no. And I'm, so I'm okay with it. I'm okay with being the backup. Uh, and then spoilers for the future. We are going to get Val on uh, in a little <laughs> bit here. <laughs> spoilers. He couldn't make it. And, uh, <laughs> he canceled last minute. Um, so we had to call so, Falcon again. So yeah, he canceled last minute. So we organized this two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and set oh, up a man. Q&A section in our discord <laughs> <laughs> all right um the last question i have um oh, before you get to that i do oh, want to no, say okay, yeah i do want to say something about val lit and he knows this literally my favorite thing um about 40kstats.com um is that people think val writes it and does all the stats and oh. he <laughs> He hates that. So I love it. So I get emails all the time from 40K Stats with like questions about st- stats and they're directed at Val and I'll like forward them to him. I'll be like, well, this one's for you. They want to know. Um, or he'll be on a podcast and they'll be like, so how did you come up with uh, this stat? And he'll be like, uh, I didn't. Um, he like always tries to defend me and I think it's really cute because I don't care. But it's like my favorite thing to get emails like, hey, Val, I'm just wondering how to do this. And it's <laughs> all and like it's very, very common. And I love it. It, it, it fills me with a ton of joy because oh, I'm, someday I'm going to do something real fucking stupid um, and it's going to get pinned on him for sure. And, I'm, <laughs> and it'll just it'll be my out. It'll be my out. I'll delete all my social media and it'll just be all on Val after that. You can just, you do forward those messages to Val when you get them like, Hey, can you answer this question? They really want to know the answer to this. I'm not qualified to to do this. (laughs) This doesn't appear to be my name. So if you can handle it, please. Yeah. Well, at least we know the first thing where you get to ask uh, Val Danny is we get to be like, how did you come up with this stat? How did you just, and we'll just, the entire thing will be just questions about stats you came up with. A lot of, a lot of technical questions. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be good times about database administration. So we're 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 going to end. How did here. you write this query? <laughs> we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to end this here uh, with my new favorite question. I've asked the last few people here. Um, of course, one of the biggest tournaments in uh, the world, Las Vegas Open, um, is you know major hub. We get lots of people going into Vegas further from all around the world. So flying into Vegas, who, which three people do you share a cab with uh, from the airport to the hotel? Which three people do I share a cab with? Yes. From so, the airport to the hotel. From all of 40K. That's a good 45 minute. That's a good 45 Dayton minute Obrey. cab ride. Dayton Obrey for sure, because we did it last year. It was super sweet. He lost his cell phone. I felt real bad. Um, we spent most of the, the our like first hour at uh, Bally's calling taxi cab companies to try and find out where it went. Um, 
So definitely him because I'll probably get another free cell phone out of it. <laughs> um, and, he's, and he's super hot, which is always good when you're in Vegas is to have someone way hotter than you with you. Get that um, pity dance. Not Danny because he's really moist. He's so wet all the time. I just wouldn't be able to sit in a cab that long with him. True. Let's so, steam up the windows. You would. I mean, Dayton already does it, but for other reasons. Um, <laughs> so me and Dayton, uh, I would probably love to be in the cab with um, not Don Hoosen because he talks too much. I, I, I want... I want relative silence for that full 45 minutes. And I need it to be like aw- as awkward as possible. Wait, wait, um, your cab ride takes 45 minutes. That was the yeah, time yeah. frame I provided because you got to stop by the liquor store on the way. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I see. Okay. My bad. Okay. Yeah. I missed. Come that. on. Come on, Danny. Get Jesus with the system. Christ. Get with this. Get with this. Um, it would have to be someone from Australia that is like super uncouth and just likes to swear and talk about how weird the United States is. So probably Adam Camilleri. Um, I think that's a good second in there. Um, just so that we can get his insights into what the fuck is actually happening. And my final person. Hmm, my final person. Have to be someone like super thin. Who is like the thinnest person in 40K? <laughs> that's a really tough category. Like I just want someone that's like just rake thin. Like, it can't be any of the Biff Pod guys, because they're all fucking, like, Jotuns. So it can't be any of them, like, Viking giants. Um, probably Brandon Grant. Like, he, like he's pretty strong, but he's very spindly. Like, his arms are, like, they're very hairy, but they, like, he definitely has old man strength. Like, you look at him, and you know that he, he will hurt you if he wants to. Um, but, yeah, probably Brandon. Cause he, and I also get the like the impression from the times I've spent with him that he wouldn't like be a leg spreader. And I think Dayton is. So I want to, I want to make sure that I have someone between us. So that's probably my four. I love it. So, so that's Me, someone Dayton you can Obrey, Adam Camilleri, Brandon Grant, someone you can steal a cell phone from someone you can laugh at their reaction to how ridiculous America is with you. <laughs> and uh, someone who could beat you up with their daddy strength. Yeah, but also small and won't spread his legs too much because I know Dayton will, and that's going to be a problem. So I need, <laughs> I need someone to counteract that. You need to cut down on the man spreading. Yeah, one hundred percent. Amazing, Peter. Plus, Brandon like exudes respect, so I think Dayton would close his legs for him. Um, no one closes whole, their like, legs for Brandon Grant. Math thing. <laughs> 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 so there you go. The Falcons said it. You heard it here, guys. On mob rules, Brandon Grant no one, never closes his or no never one closes, closes legs or nobody ever closes their legs for Brandon Grant. Wow. He's a champion. Never mind. I, I said they just would. edit me out. I'm the worst. I, I said they would do it because of like the massive respect that he just like exudes. Oh, just just make yeah. the, so you're saying Brandon Grant closes up people's legs. Yeah, like he walks okay, into cool. a room and you're like, that is the smartest man here. I need to be respectful. At least and cover, it's like, cover my and, balls. And you're like, caveman brain kicks in and, and you're like, you get you make yourself smaller, right? Like you're like, mm, I, I can't be threatening around this man. He, he deserves respect. Commands the statistically average four inches of respect necessary. Um, Peter, yep. uh, as we wrap up, you are on 80 billion things. What do you want to plug? I mean, we already plugged the Las Vegas Open, which I think is is what I hope is going to be a big deal. Please take a look. 
get in on the prizes. I just spent a ton of money today on prizes and I want people to get them that aren't, that are super cool. So if you think you're cool, get involved. If you don't think you're cool, I probably think you're cool. So don't worry about it. Just get involved. Check out the gleam. Um, Buy some of our swag so I don't have to pay for the swag. That would be super cool. Um, Listen to the adjacent show because it's funny. I might not be funny on it, but Rob and Val carried the weight. So that's okay. And, um, just like spread love, be kind, be good people. That's all. Yeah. Las, LasVegasNopen.net. Got it right that time. And if you go to prizes, it'll give it. you the... You did l- it. I did it. I'm a champ. If you go to prizes, it'll give you the link to go to the Gleam. Uh, sign up for some cool podcasts. Sign up for some cool Twitters. Um, follow some Instagram uh, feeds of just some amazing models of some great people. Um, everything you do gets you more entries. From the time this podcast posts, you have one week uh, to click as many tickets as you can to win some amazing prizes. Oh, and um, for people that are curious, if they also want to be the type of penguin that I want to be, it's called the Adelie penguin. So there you go. Also, Not Adelie. Only, it might be or there's Adelie. There's like an Exante Gui, and it's A D E Exante Gui L I E. Anyway, they're one of the only animals that have turned to prostitution other than us. So keep just keep an eye. If you're like, man, I need to be an animal someday for like a lobster situation. Amazing. There you go. Peter the Adeli, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> Do you like cookies but want something more British? Buy biscuits. Not like those you have for gravy. British biscuits for dunking in your British tea. Stiff upper lip guaranteed. Biscuits, as recommended by Queen Liz of the Britons. Man, what a great guy. Uh, I know Gav Thorpe, what a champion! Just, just the uh, champion of the written word. Yeah, yeah, Dark Angel like legacy. Just, I mean, he has forged so much narrative for that company. Um, but no, for seriously, yeah, yeah, no, just an amazing time, and you know, I really appreciate all the time I get to spend with this person. Uh, so, uh, Peter, we were talking about uh, the Falcon or the Penguin. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now he's the Penguin. Now he he's changes next. He's always the Penguin to me now, even though Facebook won't let him be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but just like uh like i said thank i want to thank him for coming on uh being so open and uh forthright and kind of sharing some really cool information and even some players i hadn't really heard of uh to definitely check out and kind of look at what they're doing and debunking some of the myths like the the europe is six months oh, yeah. ahead they're not and apparently they don't even play they're, real 40K. they're a whole year <laughs> yeah that's, that's, the that's the truth is they're so far ahead they're in 2022 <laughs> um amazing uh, well, we hope you continue to enjoy these formats. Uh, I really enjoy, like I said, I think, you know, and we've now talked to Ennis and Colin and, and Peter, and, like, we're definitely, I think, getting something cool out of them, and hopefully you guys are learning something uh, really awesome. Uh, next time, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks, and we'll have uh, an even better guest. I mean, that might not be true or not. I haven't organized anything yet, but we will absolutely have someone. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk to them for a little bit. Hey, and let us know if you yeah. guys are liking this format. Like, you know, shoot us an email, uh, send us a Facebook message. Like, if you guys like this format, or if you don't like this yeah, format, absolutely. Like, let us know if you like it. Let us know, because, you know, we're, we're malleable right here. Um, and I think Peter was talking about it earlier. When, when tournaments stopped and games stopped, because uh, most podcasts are two to four guys just talking about tournaments and games they played, that was us. So we adapted a little bit with, like, no tournaments or games. Um, but, yeah, let right. us know. 
Who do you want us to talk to? Do you want us to talk to anyone? Do you want us to have a 40k adjacent style episode where we just talk shit about Frazier? I mean, we'll, we'll do pretty much anything here. Um, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it, man. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'll do a Frazier episode. You know me. Inquisitor Frazier at your service. Um, <laughs> also, just as an aside before we go here, um, if you are a skilled 3D modeler and are able to uh, get me a 3D render of uh, Kelsey Grammer's head, uh, that I can scale down to a 40K <laughs> size. I will pay you money uh, to do that. Uh, I have dreams, uh, and this might be awesome, but just uh, instead of a Sisters of Battle, maybe just a Frasers of Battle army. Uh, just everyone has a Frasier head. Or maybe a, a Tyranid army where all the gaunts are just Kelsey Grammer headed. Oh my God. I feel that would be pretty It's like the John Cena flying Hive Tyrant all over again. Except it would be 150 uh, 3D printed Kelsey Grammer heads on Gaunts. <laughs> and after every time you kill one, I'll remove it and say, I'm listening. As is tradition. Uh, Danny, what, what do you want to plug on the way out? Oh, um, oh yeah. Uh, so all of the, all of the uh, uh, Hammer on Cancer streams are archived on the BiffPod, on BiffPod or on uh, CanHammer, I believe. So if you want to check them out, um, they should be up there for, I think, at least another month. So they're going to be up there um, for 30 days, there. and then they're going to be on YouTube. Yeah. And as soon as they hit YouTube, I will send links out for the games that we were involved in. Um, obviously, the most oh, important yeah. ones of all. Of course. Um, check, out, bracket. check out our YouTube channel. <laughs> I mean, that's a good name for a podcast, too, actually, <laughs> The Loser's Bracket. Um, actually yeah 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 maybe that's our that could uh, be the subtitle for mob rules our mob rules jason um uh but yeah definitely check out our review of the death card book uh it comes out today if you're listening to it live um it is a com- yeah it's a complete change to how the army works but it's also good um and is a preview of how chaos works and no demons yeah we'll see all we'll right see. just just give it some time Give it some time. We'll give it some time. That's the only thing I'm slightly salty about because now I have a very disparate um, and large Nurgle demon collection that doesn't make sense as a demon's army. All <laughs> right. Counterpoint to that. Okay. This army works so much better as a mixed army. Oh, my God. It than does, it so does much. by itself. I mean, like, even though the Contagion Aura is super powerful. Well, um, I, we were already I, talking. I don't. I think that it's better to have warp time. I'm more Mortarian. <laughs> <laughs> right and like uh Ennis wilson who we we interviewed a couple weeks ago started really pushing for like a little word bearer patrol to really automatically warp time morty to the front lines turn one and you're like but you lose minus one toughness i'm like yeah you lose minus one toughness but you get more tearing in enemy deployment zone on turn one um right especially because now his movement is up to 12 so Oof. he is he, he is speedy boy and honestly the the flagstone of most of my lists because i don't think i've sent a list to anyone without him yet because yeah, why that's true. You? I've been specifically trying not to put him in my list so that I don't I don't want to crutch myself. Oh no, I'm gonna crutch myself hard and then when he gets to FAQ to be six hundred points. Uh, I'm gonna be just real sad. Right. <laughs> um so yeah, check out that video, enough, check out our streams on Cathammer and uh, other places. Uh Biffbot, that was it. Uh and then follow us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, uh, hey John Q or Hey or Hey Villa Cave. <laughs> hey John Q or Villicate 5 uh, and I guess yep. I, I don't really have anything else to add Danny do no, you I'm, I'm, I'm good oh awesome so yeah uh, for Mob Rules I've been Wait, John what? okay cool oh we can do that again <laughs> Danny Danny
For Mob Rules, Sorry, I've been John. I couldn't hear you cut out. I've been Danny. See you next time.